beautiful song. Well, let's turn our Bibles to Luke 23 this evening. A lot of things coming up for us as a church. Hope that you would take a little bit of time to, to just note that in your calendars. We've got Vision Sunday coming up and amongst other things toward the end of the year, we've got Ministry Market coming up as well on the 29th and um, as uh, Shada mentioned there, we want to take a, a, an offering, just a special offering um, to the Lord and, and get us off to uh, a good footing as we look into 2024. So I hope you get involved in that, I hope you pray about your part in that. And then just other things that have come up, um, just wanted to let you know and just I'm sure we'll announce it over the course of the next couple of weeks as well is on the 15th of October, we're going to have an afternoon service. It's going to be an ordination service for, um, for uh, Brother E.J. Agatep, who's just become the pastor at Fellowship Baptist Church. And their church has asked me to, to ordain him on behalf of them. Um, I was his pastor for a long time. And if you've never been to an ordination service, that's a great, great event to come to. And I want to encourage you to, to be part of that on the 15th of October. It'll be here at our church at Talk Lock, but we'll, we'll get out more information as that comes. But pray for, the, pray for the, the work of God in different places. You know, I'm glad that we get to, we get, get to have different, different events and things like that. And, you know, sometimes we're, we're a little bit driven that way. You know, we, we look at events and, and things coming up that are outside of the norm. Uh, but there are things that I think that we ought to, we ought to take a great deal of, of uh, seriousness to. And those are, those are just, just the normal parts in the sense of the Christian life. And I think part of that is, is the Lord's Supper. And whilst we may not, you know, I don't want to make it just, a, just a, a scheduled thing on the calendar. I think as the Lord moves us, we, we will observe it and, and we're going to observe it tonight. And so I want to take the opportunity to focus a little bit on the Lord Jesus this evening because, uh, again, there's, there's so, many, so many parts of the Christian life that we can normalize. And yet, when, when you consider who Christ is, and you consider even the event of the, of the crucifixion, there's not, really, there's not really an exhausting of that. There's so much that, that as we read through that story, that it, it ought to fill us with an immense sense of, of, uh, of, of, of privilege, of understanding that the Lord Jesus would do that for us. And that ought not to grow old in our hearts. And I think that's why it's important that we have this time. And the next couple of weeks, well, I, I should say the next couple of times, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. I'm going to cover the, just the events of the crucifixion and, and particularly the seven statements of the Lord Jesus from the cross. And I don't think there's any more sobering words that we can hear from a, from a person than their dying words. And I don't know if you've ever been at the bedside of someone who is about to pass on from this life to the next, but you often hear and you often have a soberness about the words that they're going to speak. You know, there's been several times in my, uh, in my ministry life where I've been called to the hospital or called to a home where there's a sense that there's about to be a departure into the next life. And I know oftentimes you you hear instructions or you hear important words or you hear even at times an encouragement from that one that's passing from this life to the next. 
and we understand the great value of that. We understand that there's an importance placed in those last words. And so really when you think about the crucifixion and you think about the fact that, that the Lord Jesus now is, is facing death, these are his last words as he approaches that time where uh, he's really going to pay for the sins of mankind. And we understand that, that he rises again and he'll say more words, but these were important words on the cross. And we're going to cover the first ones this, uh, this evening, and I hope that you will just, uh, just give yourself to it as we uh, understand this. Look at Luke 23, and, and we'll begin reading verse 34, and we'll, we'll read down to verse 38. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And so we, we begin just with these, these words that the Lord Jesus speaks. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And, and I think the amazing thing about the Lord Jesus in his hour of agony, in that time of great great turmoil, great pain, his willingness to lay down his life for us on the cross of Calvary came out in these words. He, he, he wanted to forgive. And, you know, all of us here in, in our moments, especially when we're feeling a bit of pain ourselves, we're, we're not often in our best state of mind, are we? You know, the, the, the affairs of others and, and how they're responding to us can often irritate us. And yet, what we see here in the Lord Jesus, in, in understanding where he was at, in understanding where he was in the midst of, and, and who it was that he was in the midst of, these multitude of people that really, if you, you observe all of the different ones that were around the cross, was a great representation of the world at large. And, and he understood there, and, and he the, utters these words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he gives us this first statement, and there's just a couple of lessons that we learn as we observe these words. And, and really, it is that, that the Lord Jesus, so often throughout the course of his, uh, his ministry here on earth, forgave. And he went about and he forgave, and often as he was heard to forgive the accusation of those religious leaders of the day was, how can he forgive? Only God can forgive. And so the, this very act, this, this very utterance confirmed again who he really was. It wasn't just a statement of his desire, it was a statement of his position. That actually Christ, being God, is the only one that's able to forgive others and forgive sin. And so he looks at the, the situation that these people were in, and we know later, as we read through the verses, the, the actions that were surrounding this statement, there were those that parted his raiment and cast lots. There were those who, 
the, the Bible says here were the rulers who derided him, the, probably the very same ones that, that much earlier had, had, uh, had uh, provoked the crowd to suddenly cry out, crucify him, crucify him. The, the very ones that probably were amongst those that concocted the very plan in the beginning to betray the Lord Jesus himself. And we see that all of those and then those that were missing, those that should have been there, those who had a great investment and a closeness to the Lord and those that in this moment of his great need were found nowhere to be seen. And so in all of that, he looks at the situation that he was in and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And you know, the reality is this, only those who are guilty need forgiveness. And so he's calling out to those and stating the fact that there's forgiveness to be offered, but there are those that are needful of forgiveness. And, and the reality is that, that firstly we learn that we need forgiveness. Because actually it was, also, it was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. You know, we, we take forgiveness for granted, I think. You know, I think often we, we don't recognize in our day-to-day that the immense sacrifice on the cost of Calvary was for this reason, to forgive you and I. It was, it was the very reason Jesus came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, and he came to forgive sin. And only those who are guilty need forgiveness. And so he starts, he calls out he, in prayer, Father, and he says, forgive them. And I, I believe that as Jesus looked upon the multitude gathered to see him on the cross, I think his heart broke at the realization that the people around, they didn't even understand that it was their sin that put him there in the first place. It was actually theirs. He was there for their forgiveness. As they went about and they just treated this like another crucifixion, just another death to behold and to gawk at, Another, another opportunity to part those raiments and do all of the things that they normally do. What they didn't understand and what, what he was calling to was just that they needed the forgiveness. It was for them. It was for you and I. And we're, we're guilty of that. And the Bible tells us, go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. We know... These verses, if you ever tried to lead someone to the Lord, and we know Romans 5.8, but God commendeth or proved his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the fact that we're guilty is, is this, it's because we are sinners. And, and let's not forget that, that that's what Jesus saved us from. And let's not forget, lest we, we were lifted up in pride as we heard about this morning, that actually were it not for the grace and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we, would, we would be there without that offer of forgiveness. Then he goes on in verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And, and no, one is, no one is exempt from this guilt. You know, all of us here went through and, and began this journey of Christianity by firstly recognizing our sinfulness before the Lord. 
And again, sometimes we're so far removed from our time of salvation and we've heard the message of the gospel that many times, forgiveness no longer moves our heart. We'll hear those words that Jesus uttered and we'll think he's just thinking about that multitude. But you know what he was thinking about? He was thinking about all of us. He, he endured that. Remember the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He, he saw those, those ones like us all these thousands of years later with a, great, with a great love and a great sense of his mission. And he says, Father, forgive them. And we need forgiveness because it was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. You know, he, he came to pardon the guilty. He came with that, that, that very mission to ensure that it was complete so that those guilty can be pardoned. And it was only him, you know, in Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And aren't you glad for the riches of his grace? I'm so glad that as I consider myself and, you know, I was saved at seven years old. You might not think that, you know, a seven-year-old surely can't rack up that much sin. But listen, he, he knew my, my past, present, and future sin. He, and he died for all of it. And he had riches enough for all of it. And it wasn't as if there, there, were, there was in, in my account something he couldn't account for. No, he paid it all. And he forgave. And he came to pardon the guilty. In Psalm 103, verses 10 to 12, he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. And I alluded to this verse earlier today. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. You know, that's how far apart God's forgiveness has set our sin away. And sometimes, sometimes we go about our day and, and you know, there's, a, there's still ought to be a sense of when we commit sin, that guilt of that. But, you know, us as Christians, we don't have to stay in that guilt. We're supposed to deal with it, get that right. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can get that right immediately because actually, positionally, we've already been forgiven. And we can go about with, with great joy and, 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 and not, be, not be laden down with the guilt of our sin. We can move forward in victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. And He came in that to forgive because we needed forgiving. It was our sin. But, but notice again, look at Luke 23, and he says, Father, forgive them. And then he says, for they know not. You know, not only are we guilty, but before salvation, lost man is ignorant. He's ignorant of the ramification of his own guilt. You know, I think most people that you speak with, when you start to list down what sin looks like, we understand, we summarize it in the, it's summarized for us in the Ten Commandments. But what, when you go through that list with people, they understand that at least at one point they're guilty. I, I don't think I've ever spoken to anyone when, I said, when I, I've said these words, well, nobody's perfect, that they disagreed with me. <laughs> I think most people were ready to admit that, that, that honestly, in, in all of us, as good as we are compared to our neighbors, 
We know according to God's law, even in the summarized version of it, the, New Test- uh, the, the Ten Commandments, that we're at least guilty. And that's what the Bible says. If we offend in one point, we're guilty of all. But, but what we don't understand and what lost man doesn't understand is the great ramification of their sin. The, the great penalty that's attached to that. And I think that's why at times we're so unmoved and we're so unthankful for the forgiveness that we've been given. We, we don't fully comprehend the ramification of our sin. We don't fully comprehend the great penalty and, and we, don't, we don't fully understand because we've been saved from it the, 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 the reality of, of a hell that is full of darkness, full of, uh, full of punishment, and, and, and we, we sometimes we can go about life and we're glad for the salvation, but we're, we're, we're sometimes forgetful again of actually what he saved us from. And, and what happens is, is we need forgiveness because actually we're just ignorant of our own need. You know, man in his natural state doesn't actually know what he needs. He, he just goes about and he... He just has needs, but he doesn't ultimately know what his greatest need is. And whether he admits it or not, he, he knows of his guilt, but doesn't understand its penalty. And without man even understanding what was happening at the cross, there was a demonstration of what they should have experienced as a result of their sin, death. You know, Jesus took the punishment. He took death upon himself. He took it on and he was victorious. And, you know, man so often doesn't understand what that, that they need saving from eternal damnation. And in Revelation 20, verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. It's eternal separation in that place from God. And we no longer, you know, I was just thinking this today. Man, it's been a while since I preached on hell. I might do that one of these days. But, you know, you don't hear about it anymore. Why? Because we don't, in our, in our Western sensibilities, we don't want to scare people. But listen, some by fear. And, and yes, by compassion, we make a difference, but some by fear we save. And, and, and I think many times, you know, that forgiveness that Jesus gives, there's just no knowledge of what. For they know not. They know not. They don't understand. We don't understand the, the, the full ramification of that. And there's a real cost. Death, death passed upon all men. That's what we've been saved from. You know, that, 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 that great news of eternal life is because there was an eternal death waiting upon us. That was on our head. And that's why forgiveness is so, so important because that was a penalty without it. And the real cost is death passed upon all men. And the real cost of breaking the, the law of God is the wrath of God. And death is the full payment required. And I'm just so glad for my Savior who, take death, who took death on and, 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 and was victorious over death. You know, the Bible tells us again, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And we understand again that, there, that there's a penalty and there's a payment required and that payment is death. That's what he saved us from. You know, we have this first death, this earthly tabernacle uh, for, for 
I think for, for probably still some of us, if the Lord doesn't, uh, if the Lord tarries his coming, if he waits longer, there will be many who will face death still. And we understand, though, that that's not the, the finality for the Christian. That's just actually the, the door to heaven. But for so many, death is it, and then it's eternal judgment. And so there's a real cost. But then what we see also is the unreal sacrifice. Because although man was ignorant, although man didn't understand, he still willingly made a way. He, he still willingly made a way. And, and they were sort of grasping at it. They, they sort of understood he was someone a little bit significant. They, they said things, you know, a little bit mockingly, right? Those, those rulers said, you know, he, he, he says he can save others. Let him save himself if he be the Christ. So, so full of, of cynicism, so full of sarcasm. And, and, and they put these things above his head. This is the king of the Jews. All, all to mock him. And, and you know what? It fell short. Because actually, the one who, who sacrificed himself, the one who willingly laid down his life on the cross, is actually the king of kings and the lord of lords. And it wasn't just the king of the Jews. No, no, he was the king of the Jews. But he wasn't just the king of the Jews. He's the savior. He's the Messiah. And although man was ignorant of, of who he was and ignorant of, of the, very, the, the very pivotal moment of history right there, there was that unreal sacrifice. And, you know, right from the beginning, we understood that God required a sacrifice. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, they... Immediately, they tried to, with their own works, cover up their sin. And you know what, what did God do? He had to kill some animals and he had to clothe them with those animal skins. He, he demonstrated to them that their good works wasn't enough to, to cover their sins. He needed blood. He needed a sacrifice. And so this unreal sacrifice, it was all being played out, all of those types from the Old Testament, all of those, those types of the bloods of the bulls and goats, all of those, 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 the, the, those sacrificial lambs, all of those blood sacrifices that, that the nation of Israel performed on the Day of Atonement and all the other days we understand it were all types and it was all coming to this, the crux of it all, the crucifixion. In Hebrews 9.22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. John 15.13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But we understand that actually as sinners, God accounted us as enemies. And he still willingly laid down his life. He still willingly shed his blood. And so that real cost was met with an unreal sacrifice. And God didn't hold man to account for his ignorance. He willingly laid his life down, and that's a great sacrifice. And that's what we remember tonight. You know, we remember the broken body. We remember the shed blood. And it, it, it's, it does us well to, to daily think about the great sacrifice of our Lord in, in, in response to the very real cost and the very real danger that we were in. But then thirdly, we see here, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
And it was ignorant of them to not understand it. But it was even more ignorant of them to not understand who it was that they were doing it to. And we need forgiveness, thirdly, because we have not respected who Christ is. There are those still many today who just relegates the Lord Jesus to two holidays, Christmas and Easter. They, they relegate even worse than that, the Lord Jesus as a, as a swear word. And they, they disrespect and have no respect. And, and part of his call there, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do was not just the fact that they were ignorant of what was happening, they were ignorant of who it was that it was happening to. They were ignorant of that. The, the reality was they didn't even so much as understand that this was the Son of God, that, that this was very God, and they had no respect for His authority, and yet again, He willingly died. And you notice a couple of those who were around, those who were accusers, denied it. You know, we know it was the Pharisees that had, had him accused. They accused him of a great many things according to their law. They, he, he was accused of, of, of blasphemy. He was accused of claiming to be God when the reality was he is God. He had throughout his, his ministry here on earth evidenced his messiahship. They, they saw the miracles they saw the changed lives, and yet they rejected him. They saw how he received, he was received at the triumphal entry. They saw all of that, and, and what it, it drove them to jealousy. It drove them to enact this, this murder. Even the, the government of the day, Pilate, who again accused Christ, and then even after his wife was warned in a dream, still went ahead and allowed the Lord Jesus to be taken to the cross. It was all for political gain. He, he de denied the truth that was right in front of him. He, he even admitted he finds no fault in this man. And what did he do? He still allowed it and he still washed his hands as if that's going to absolve him of any guilt. And so his accusers, they were there, but they just denied, denied who he was. Those who were his denouncers, they reveled in it. When we referred to it earlier, those that derided him, they mocked him. He said he saved others, let him save himself if he be the Christ. They, they, they were his denouncers. They reveled in the fact that they had defeated their enemy. They had, def they had defeated their political foe. They had f defeated another religion that was encroaching on their popularity, on their followership, and they reveled in it. They, they reveled in the fact that they had enacted their plan and here it was happening before their eyes. And, and, and Christ, right here being crucified, really was chosen to be crucified over Barabbas, a real criminal. And even there, there was a reveling in their success. And you know what darkness man's heart has. What darkness that... that, that this one who was the Christ, who, who was in, in, all of his, in all of his words, in all of his actions, lived a perfect life. In all that he showed in his earthly sojourn here on earth, 
went about doing good. Went about and spoke words that were that astonished people. And yet they 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 these his denouncers they reveled in this moment. And those who were ignorant, actually, they trivialized it. There were those who were ignorant, there were those Romans who probably didn't fully comprehend. There was one centurion who understood this, this is the Son of God. But, but the rest of them, they, we read it there, they parted his raiment. They cast lots to see who would have the most. They, they went about and the soldiers mocked him. You remember even leading up to the, the cross, they, they, uh, they plaited a, a crown of thorns and beat it upon his head. They put a robe about him and they, they ripped it off as, as the, the blood congealed. They, they did all of that and they, they, tr- they were just ignorant and they trivialized it. And you know, the world does, does that so much with the Lord. He's just a, he's just a figure of history. He's just a, he's just a question in some uh, trivial matters. I was watching uh, a little bit of a, a, a game show on TV and uh, you, you could pick an area of expertise. And one particular guy, he, he, he chose his expertise in the Bible. He was a pastor. You'd, you'd hope a pastor would choose that over anything else, right? But, but he chose the Bible and, and just the mockery that he received from the, from the host. Just, the, just the, the ridicule that was palpable. The, the guy could hardly, hardly take him seriously. And you know, anything that, that, that is too religious in our day, if we even mention the, the, the name of the Lord Jesus in the right context, even if we say things like, praise the Lord, that, that puts people's sensibilities in check. And suddenly, oh, who, who do you think you are? And there are those who just trivialize him. There are those who they just think he's some, some uh, figure of history and uh, some teacher all those years ago. And, and, and there were those even in Jesus' day who just treated him that way. You know what, those holidays that we've spoken about, they're, they're just trivial things to the world. They're just, they're just ways to get ahead. Have you ever noticed how much earlier Christmas begins these days? Why? Because the world wants just to gain from Christ. They, they want to use him for gain. And, and I, I think about these who divided his raiment. I think about those that, that mocked him. And, and I just think about the fact that they just wanted to get ahead. They wanted to get ahead in their reputation. They wanted to get ahead in, uh, financially. They, they, they'll sell these raiments off. And, and we understand that they, they were ignorant though. They didn't fully comprehend what was going on. And, and yet they still trivialized it. But then there were those who were close to him that hid from it. You know, the, the, the disciples were scattered at this point. They needed forgiveness too. They, it was part of his plan. But there, there were three and a bit years they spent with the Lord. They followed him everywhere. They were there for the miracles. They were often there for the good times. But here in his moment of great need, there wasn't anyone there but John. John, who later on he'll speak and he says, uh, this is your son, this is your mother. 
And John the Beloved, who was there to see it, to behold it. But we, we don't really see, we, we see Peter earlier on denying him, hiding away, trying to follow from a distance. We know Thomas wasn't anywhere to be around. He was just, he, he didn't even regather when the others came back together, the doubter. And we see that those who were actually, they were the closest to him, hid from it. And I think that's the most striking thing in this. When he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, there was no response. There was no looking at him to say, I do need forgiveness. It was just silence. We know that for fear, his disciples hid. For fear of the Jews, we, we see them later resorting to what was their life prior they went back to fishing. We even know of one that later doubts him until his hands and his sides he could touch. And I think how sad that even today, those who profess to know Christ, you know, his disciples, his family cower at making a stand for him. We, we don't want to at times be involved in the, in, in, in the mess of Christianity. In the times when it counts and and what do we do? What do we do when his name is blasphemed? What do we do when his reputation is tarnished by his accusers? What do we do when those around who clearly need the Lord just deride him? And, and I'm not calling for a militia tonight. I'm just calling for those who will just be with Christ. I'm just calling for us as God's people to regard the, the mission that he's given for each and every one of us and then take it and say the same thing and offer the same thing to those who are around. And you know, the world needs forgiveness so often because they don't actually respect who Christ is. And you see, he's, he's all of that and more. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I hope that tonight as we have this time in the Lord's Supper, that we just take a great deal of remembrance and thanksgiving for what it means. Because, because Jesus was willing to lay down his life, we have forgiveness of sin. And I'm so glad for that. Now, 1 Corinthians 6.19, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? You are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. And the Lord Jesus, he paid the price that you and I couldn't pay. He paid the price for forgiveness. And so when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It wasn't just that they didn't understand what was happening. They didn't understand what was, who it was happening to. Let's pray. And Father, thank you for this time. And Lord, as we take our time now to observe this wonderful ordinance of the Lord's Supper, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to just pause now and just get our hearts settled get our hearts eye-gazing upon the Lord Jesus again. And I pray that you'd help us this evening to, Lord, to remember you 
Lord, with a great fondness of, of your sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, Lord, and a great humility for the price of our forgiveness. I pray that you'd help us even tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles.